Hello, and welcome to Laboratory Considerations from Q-Squared Solutions. I'm your host, Chris Connor. Q-Squared Solutions is a leading global clinical trial laboratory services organization providing comprehensive testing, project management, supply chain, biorepository, biospecimen, and consent tracking solutions. Our work is rooted in research, grounded in collaboration, and guided by our passion to turn the hope of patients and caregivers around the world into the help they need. To learn more, visit q2labsolutions.com. That's q, the number two, labsolutions.com. Today I'm speaking with Alex Watt. Alex is the global head for biotech integrated laboratory solutions at Q Squared Solutions and Mona Henderson, director of laboratory network solutions at Q Squared Solutions. Welcome to you both. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. This is the third of a three-part series on clinical trials for biotech companies. And today we're focused on flexibility for meeting the specific needs of those biotechs in clinical trials. So just to get started, I want to ask you both, biotechs are apparently unique in some ways. How does Q-squared biotech program meet those specific needs? So I'll start, Chris, and then maybe Monica can add some more color in terms of what our team supports. There's really four areas that we're looking to focus on to make sure that we meet the needs of our biotech customers. The first one is having dedicated resources. So we have teams of project management and customer management staff that just work on biotech delivery for our biotech customer base. And those guys are specially trained to do that um, delivery based on what we understand to be the needs of that customer segment. And it's a global team. So we try to have global interactions between all of our biotech teams around the world and make sure that they've all got the same access to resources, to learning structures, and our materials that guide them in how to interact with our biotech customers successfully. The second area is oversight and partnering. So we try and have a flat and kind of agile structure to make sure that there's appropriate visibility for our management teams of the portfolio of work we have with our biotech customers. We want to make sure that we're configured to be able to collaborate with customers in the right way and deliver fit with progress governance with them as well as we um, hopefully expand and grow our service collaboration and, and portfolios together. And also we want to be set up to be able to coordinate with any CROs who might engage in the line of their research. Third area is around process specialization. So we want to try and engineer our procedures to be more biotech centric, have customized procedures around the lab, which are aligned with what our biotech customers require in terms of study management, data management, and our lab testing as, as well. Um, and then also linking into our commercial organizations. So our contracting group, our business development team, um, and our project finance teams are all aligned with our biotech customers as well. And we've got some biotech specialized procedures in those areas to help us be more agile and nimble and, and meet those client segment requirements. Uh, and the last one is about what I call optimized operational strategy. And that's where we try and have effective early engagement, like the beginning of our interaction with the customers and make sure that we're connecting them with our expertise internally. So with our operational experts, but also our scientific team and where it's appropriate, reach into our parent company, IQVIA, and give access to some of that expertise and resource as well. 
and then making sure that we're consolidating our delivery across our business. So Q Squared has got a large network of labs that we use to provide a variety of different services across different kinds of lab testing. And so we want to be able to access all the different capabilities we have to bring to bear and put that together to form a kind of integrated delivery framework for our bad customers. Yeah, we're definitely going to come back to a few of those, a third party and tapping into IQBIA. Mona, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, Alex mentioned uh, certainly the internal partnerships that we have across the business lines that we're trying to customize to the needs of our biotech customers. Where my team really comes into play is with the third-party labs where they're expanding our menu of services and finding specialty tests that might better support their protocol, either working proactively to source those labs or at the direction of a given sponsor to uh, contract and make sure we can qualify these labs and bring them into network to support the study. Nice. So I want to back up because I'm still curious about this and I realized we didn't talk about this in the previous two episodes. What makes a biotech unique from your other clients, sponsors in pharma or whatever? How are they different besides being, I presume, smaller and Yeah, it's a great question, Chris. I think that they tend to obviously have less scale. So they've got smaller teams that maybe are doing more roles and they have less specialization. So we need to connect with fewer stakeholders and they may want us to do more in terms of managing various aspects of the lab services on their behalf. They often have novel therapeutics, which can require unique lab services based on the customer's requirements to define mechanisms of action, data, various biomarkers, looking at efficacy and, and patient safety. Often those exciting products mean that there are innovative lab requirements they have that we need to support. They are often in the early um, development space and sometimes first in human studies. And that means that there can be some additional safety considerations that we need to make sure that we're thinking about in terms of the trial design and when data needs to be available for various reviews by, for example, safety review boards. They tend to be very agile in their approach. So they often need to pivot and move quickly and change strategies based on their evolving strategy for their product development, but also on feedback from regulators and also various shifts in the marketplace that might influence how they're doing their research. So a number of factors mean their needs can be quite unique when compared to our larger partners. And from a a central lab perspective and from Q squared standpoint, often our larger partners we've got long established relationships with, they understand what we provide in terms of services and we understand what they require from a lab provider. So we've got quite a well-structured process for interaction and delivering services. I think we need to be more consultative with our biotech clients, help them understand what we can do to support their needs um, and help them understand how that's going to work operationally as well because they don't have that experience of them working with us. We need to help to guide them through how that's going to work. I would add, because of those characteristics of being smaller, having a less deep bench, LNS, Laboratory Network Solutions, really makes sense because they may not have a very sophisticated procurement and sourcing arm that can handle the contracting, ins and outs, due diligence, and other aspects of trying to work with the third-party labs. And you marry that with the special needs in terms of the segments and the type of testing that they need, where they might not find that at a central lab. Again, I think it just further emphasizes how LNS can be a really good solution to fit into the biotech space. Yeah. So novel therapies, which may mean, probably means novel ways of analysis and testing. Then a little bit of training along the way, just about how the process goes. And then it sounds like even as far up the line or down the line, however you want to call it, just 
the logistics of, as you say, Mona, contracting and all the details around putting these things together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, Chris. And it also goes back to the discussion we had in our last podcast with Alan about understanding the requirements for the different tests we provide, the regulatory implications of those tests, the validation status, and all these things as well. Yeah, so offering a lot there. So let's talk about operational strategy. First of all, explain what it means. (laughs) And then how does that affect the outcome? What do you mean by an operational strategy? Yeah, I'll maybe start. And then again, Mona can jump in with her expertise. I think it's really, obviously, it's a broad brushstroke term. But for us, it means all the different elements of delivery need to come together to make a successful project. And so from a lab perspective, that's our supply chain strategy. So thinking about how do we make sure we've got the right materials sourced and we've got the right kit design for the blood sample collection kits we need to provide to hospital sites, ensuring we've got the right logistics providers and the right transportation corridors established to move samples at the right frequency. Then it moves into things like our study management approach, so making sure we've got the right level of project monitoring, making sure we've got the right resources assigned from the right geographies based on the study requirements, understanding how we leverage our global network, as I talked about earlier, to deliver the needs of the study and our various different lab capabilities we have internally. And then our data strategy as well. So where are we going to generate the data required for the study? Where does it need to flow? Do we need to integrate data? Who are the data end users and what do they need? And all of that kind of comes together to I think form what we would call an operational strategy and how we're going to deliver for that project and its specific needs. And with respect to LNS and how we partner with the third-party labs that would be in scope to deliver on the study, we actually have a few flexible different options that can be pursued. This might be based on the study timeline if they're nearer or further out, as well as the type of lab that we're looking to contract with to deliver. So we, we have models where we can start with the most basic level of service, just managing the results. And that involves the coordination that that Alex mentioned around data management. And as those results come back from the third parties, they're reintegrated into our core systems and then packaged to deliver back to the biotech sponsor. But we can also fully manage a lab. And in between there, we have an option where maybe the sponsor would uh, take on the responsibility for qualifying the lab, but we could still contract. So in our mind, when we fully manage a lab, we're contracting with the lab, we are qualifying the lab as fit for purpose, and we also manage the results. So we can offer any of those options in different kind of combination that fits the needs of the customer. Got it. So the operational strategy is really the overall plan and every sponsor may have a different plan type of test, where it's going to happen, where the sites are, et cetera. Let's talk about those third-party labs. How do they play a role? You've mentioned it a little bit already about qualification and management and so on, but how do they play a role and when do you engage them? What's the trigger for that? Um, So really, it's ideally we are engaged at the onset during the proposal stages. So Typically, the business development team member will pull us into the conversation. We start to understand the scope and the needs of the customer and how LNS will be a part of that solution. Because the contracting and qualification activities can take some amount of time. There's just a lot of steps in the process because we want to make sure due diligence is thorough and complete. We do like to be engaged as early as possible, but it doesn't mean that there aren't other scenarios where we're pulled in a little bit late, maybe post-award, and we're working to try to make things fit as best as we can. Beyond the contracting and qualification, we're just working to support the study, ensure that the right 
puzzle pieces are in place, things like the work order level contract, which is like a statement of work that's study specific, and the test codes are established so that when results come back, there's something to book those results back against, and then how that data will be transmitted back to the sponsor that needs to be well-defined, and we initiate that process with our data management team. So we carry it from start to finish, super focused on just the third-party labs that are in scope, and we stay very tied to the study team that's connected to the sponsor. Can you give me an example of the type of things that a third you would go to a third party for? I'm guessing these are very specialized assays, but for example. Yeah, it's a very large variety. So there might be high volume tests that we just maybe don't have the capacity for or are needed in a particular region where we need to use a reference lab. And so those are our commercial partners that operate very similarly to us as a central lab, and they have a very large testing menu. But I I see a little bit more with the biotechs, more the need for the smaller specialty labs because of their esoteric testing. They may be the only lab in the world that offers that particular test. So that's usually where I think in our LNS network, while it is broad and covers quite a variety of types of services, I think the biotech customers tend to have the affinity toward the smaller specialty labs. And working with them, it does take a different kind of a touch. They're not going to have as deep a bench on their side of the fence. We want to make sure that they have everything they need in terms of clarity on the scope. It is very important understanding the number of samples that are going to route to them and exactly when is much more important with our smaller lab partners than it is with our higher volume lab partners, where some fluctuation in the estimate of samples routing can won't break the bank for them. They have certainly the lab capacity to handle that. But yeah, we're able to work with a variety of different players in the market to ensure that if there's a if there's some kind of a test that we just for whatever reason have not brought in-house or, or do not want to manage in-house, that we can still offer that test and be a one-stop shop for our customer, that we're the person that, that they're interacting with primarily, and we manage those relationships with the third parties in a healthy manner. And some of those, if I'm not mistaken, might be even small academic labs. Is that right? Yes, and they're quite unique. Certainly <laughs> different challenges in working with them. And I would say their reason for being in business is quite different. They're research institutions. They're not typically supporting clinical trials. And so, again, there's there's a little bit of education sometimes that my team members have to utilize and share to ensure that our lab partners, whether it's a Johns Hopkins University or a Mayo Clinic lab with very large capacity and, and very strong knowledge and support and in the clinical trials space that we're able to deliver in a very seamless manner, ultimately to our shared customer. So in that way, we're able to bridge the gap wherever it's needed. All right. Q Squared Solutions is a part of IQVIA and you've already mentioned tapping into some of the resources there, but what kinds of resources are we talking about where you would collaborate with those folks? Yeah. Like you say, we are part of the broader IQVIA family and, and we're part of the research and development solutions business. Um, within IQVIA. So we work with them closely on a number of things, um, particularly for the biotech space in terms of how we integrate together to perform delivery of studies from a management perspective across lab and clinical services. And as you probably know, IQVIA has got its own biotech business and I work with their leadership quite closely on how we can continue to improve our collaboration internally in terms of our team's experience, how we work together, how we can access each other's data and systems, and how we can convert that into an integrated and meaningful 
service offering for our biotech customers. So we collaborate on things like our startup pathways to get sites ready to start screening and enrolling patients, how we can align on strategy from a regulatory perspective in terms of the different needs of countries involved, but also how we're going to use lab data as part of the overall regulatory submissions for the study as well. Longer term, we collaborate in the science space, particularly when we're looking at design of studies. So how do we support the therapeutic strategy from a lab perspective, both through capabilities and also data insights? So where we've got information around certain biomarkers that we've used in the past in terms of either cutoffs or prevalence, we can use that data to help inform our colleagues in IQVIA as they do a lot of the therapeutic planning and design of studies on behalf and with our biotech customers. Um, we can also leverage their scale in terms of the global expertise when we have challenges around certain areas. We do work very closely with them through the pandemic and making sure that we were navigating all the different supply chain and other kind of geographical challenges that were apparent during that time. And then in in very recent times around how we're navigating the kind of geopolitical challenges that are um, extant with the Russia-Ukraine situation as well. So we work very closely with them on a number of fronts. And I think Mona can talk about what we do with our kind of lab qualification and management perspective as well in some, some more detail. Absolutely. So with respect to the third-party lab partnership, it goes back to that cliche statement, it takes a village. My team, I almost feel like sometimes we're like air traffic control. So in, in the contracting, initial contracting and qualification stages, when we have a brand new lab that we're looking to add to the network, uh, we absolutely have to leverage IQVIA legal team members to get us through the execution of confidential disclosure agreement and a master agreement that will enable rework. In parallel, uh, to some extent, we're leveraging IQVIA's vendor management team to look through, based on kind of the risk profile of these labs, we, we tend to hit areas like data privacy, IT security, environmental health and safety, and they do pre-assessment that allow us to establish some level of confidence that when we go and run a qualification audit, that this particular lab will pass kind of our expectations from a quality perspective. So there's a lot of collaboration up front uh, with the update to European GDPR regulations last summer. We have leaned heavily on IQBS data privacy teams too to advise properly how we proceed with contracting terms around that moving forward. So definitely a lot of coordination up front. Once we get to the study level and it's a bit more transactional, we do work with IQVIA's vendor contracting team to create those work order contracts, as we call them. More commonly, I think of them as statement of work type of contract. And it's much more specific in terms of the scope and the associated budget that we're looking to execute that. And then everything else is really internal, but we're still working with many teams within Q-Squirt and maintaining that primary connection back to the study PM so that we aren't necessarily a client-facing team. But if the biotech uh, expresses any change in scope that impacts the third-party lab, we're able to communicate that and ensure that all the right deliverables are updated and, and safe in kind of concert with the delivery of the study. Let's talk about evolving strategies. We talked, or you mentioned at the beginning, how sometimes we've got new therapies which require new analyses and so on. And based on that, because it's a rapidly evolving field, the strategies for those analyses might have to adapt on the way. So tell us a little bit about that. Obviously, strategies and strategy changes in terms of development of products often comes from our customers. So that can be driven by a change based 
on stuff they they see signals that come back from the study or feedback from regulators. And we often then need to be ready to change our approach and our service support for that customer and that study based on where they need to go. But also we can help them to be ready for that by design. So some studies are already looking at experimenting in different treatment populations, for example, with different dose levels of a product. And we can help them to design the study in a way that helps meet all those different endpoints without the need for redesign as we go through the trial process. So I think there's two elements for us. It's ready to be agile when we need to be based on customer needs, but also where we need to build in flexibility in terms of our trial design and how we're supporting that study, making sure that's a consideration at the start of a study as well, um, based on, on what we know the customer is going to need from that research objective that they have at the start of the process. We did recently have a good example, actually, where customers were pivoting their strategy to ask us to do more data integration on their behalf. So Mona's team had helped us to integrate data from a number of third-party labs through Q-squared to give a customer one consolidated data package. And that was a really nice example of how we changed strategy mid-study and actually mid-program for this client and to help them with their data needs, allow them to analyze the data that's being generated from their study and think in a more consolidated way. So Mona's group were instrumental in making that happen on the fly, so to speak, as we went through that, that program. Thank you, Alec. Yeah, that was a really good opportunity to show how we can pivot and tailor a little bit our process our recently standardized and globalized for laboratory network solutions and allowed to kind of meet the customer's needs in that moment. It's certainly my team is driven by the same factors. It's really what's happening in the market and what sponsors are asking for that helps to kind of position us and understand where we want to continue to take laboratory network solutions that that we're managing here with our third-party labs. But additionally, beyond that, we're able to use some of the data and inform our own internal investment and decision-making so that if we see certain kinds of opportunities to better strategically align and partner with a particular lab, if, if, if it's a, a certain test that's in high demand and they're the only lab in the world that that does it, maybe it's a licensing opportunity for us to work with them a little more closely and be able to bring some of that in-house also. There's just such a variety of ways we can take LNS and use some of the information that we're able to gather on how customers are using our third-party lab beyond our own internal capabilities. Yeah, and Chris, we know that the lab space is generally something that is highly regulated, very SOP driven, and probably isn't associated with terms like agility and flexibility very frequently. So we know that we can do more. Like when I said, we're always trying to learn from customer requests and what the market needs and continually try to evolve and grow our procedures to be more agile, flexible, and in line with market requirements from our biotech customers obviously while still maintaining the kind of quality controls that we need to have in place over the data and the testing that we're doing. That, I'm going to say that's a perfect little bow on this whole conversation. So with that, <laughs> I want to thank you both, Mona Henderson and Alex Watt from Q Squared Solutions. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thanks, Chris. Yep. Pleasure as always. <laughs> thank you. To learn more, visit q2labsolutions.com slash biotech. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can find Laboratory Considerations wherever you get your podcasts.